Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works, and this is not your typical BPW show because today we have a special guest. He is a former left back uh, representing certain sides such as Hamburger Esval, FC St. Pauli, which is a weird combination, I might add. Real Salt Lake, FC Ingolstadt 04, and Portland Timbers in their pre-MLS days. He is now a broadcaster in between jobs, most recently working for the Bundesliga's coverage on Fox Sports. He also works with uh, New York City FC over on the Yes Network. It's an honor and a privilege to be talking to Ian Paul Joy. Ian, how are you doing today? I hope you and your family are doing well. I'm feeling slightly older after all those things you just rattled off there of what I've done or <laughs> where I'm at. That's uh, It's kind of crazy when you think about the journey, but I'm doing pretty well, thank you very much. Family's doing well. It's been nice to spend some quality time with the kids and my wife. I'm normally traveling, sitting on a plane, doing a lot of things, obviously, for work. And while the sport is, uh, while the soccer season's ongoing, it's normally busy for me. So this has been unusually different, being at home, spending so much time. I think my my wife is probably ready to get me out of here now and get back to work. (laughs) I love that. So... Normally, we will just have an interview, but seeing as we are in the middle of a match day, we are going to be talking about some of the fixtures that happened today. We're recording on a Tuesday, uh, and we can talk a couple of the matches that have not happened yet. So first off, of course, today was Der Klassiker. Bayern Munich was able to defeat Borussia Dortmund 1-0. It was a cheeky little chip goal from Joshua Kimmich in the 43rd minute that gave Bayern Munich the win, but despite the scoreline, it was by no means a boring game. Possession and momentum changed itself back and forth constantly. Uh, Before I get into any of the more specific storylines, what did you think of the game and the performance from both sides? I thought it was a good game, actually. I was really intrigued to see what it would be like with no supporters in attendance. Obviously, it's always a question mark when you're used to playing in front of 80,000 fans home and away, in such a big game, it's such a rivalry game, and to not actually have fans there, I wondered how the, the players would react to that. Um, it, unusual before kickoff again, the, you know, the players are walking around just chit-chatting and having some fun, and then when the game gets going, it was really intense, and it was back and forth, so I was really, really impressed with the performance. I thought fitness levels looked like it was getting closer to 100%, and of course, we got a, a wonderful goal that actually won the game in the end, even though that many people will say it was an error, so it was a good game. I thought uh, Dortmund were a little unfortunate at the end, not to get a penalty kick, but also not to potentially get themselves uh, back into the game. But at the end of the day, Bayern are champions for a reason. They know how to get victories uh, when it matters most. So big win for them. One of the highlights, at least from a Bayern fan's perspective, was when Alfonso Davies, and I had seen a tweet, some statistics about this, he clocked 35 kilometers an hour running down Erling Haaland right in front of goal. Haaland had this great ball and this clear goal-scoring opportunity, but somehow Davies was able to just run him down. I absolutely love watching him pull off things such as that. One of the things I'm curious on your perspective, you could argue that the two best left-backs in the world are your fellow Scott, Andrew Robertson, and possibly you could consider Davies up there. Do you think that 
Davies is in that conversation for best left back in the world as of right now. I don't really like the conversation of best left back in the world because I don't normally see Davies as a left back. He's only just started playing that position and he's playing it at a very high level right now. So you could say for the form that he's in right now, the standard that he's playing, absolutely. I mean, he's right up there. Um, but as far as being a left back, I think he's still got a lot to learn. I think defensively leaves himself out of position a number of times and relies on his speed to get himself back into position. Um, but there's no doubt that he's playing at a very high level. Um, what he does going forward, which you know most people in North America obviously remember from his MLS days, is frightening. He's very good, very quick, obviously very dangerous. And he still possesses that in the Bundesliga. But defensively, he's shown me a new side to his game and he's very smart and he's starting to learn a new position. So for me, it's um, it, it's learning a position is one thing, but learning it in the Bundesliga is something completely different, especially when you're playing for Bayern Munich. So impressed with him. Um, it, the, I thought the interview post-game today, if you haven't seen it, go check it out from Thomas Muller, was incredible. He talked about Davies and... Um, it was laughable. You know, Muller had mentioned how he's uh, like the roadrunner when he gets back into position. And he even had Thomas Muller saying, meet me at the end of the interview, which I thought was pretty awesome. But he's well respected by everybody in the Bundesliga, around the Bundesliga and around the world now because of his performances and, and rightfully so. A couple of interesting decisions from the referee and the lack of video assistant referee being used. Specifically, two examples, one with Jerome Boateng as he was getting up from sliding in, he was able to use his elbow, whether he intended to do that or not, to deflect a shot on target from Erling Haaland. And then at the very end of the game, it looked like there was a tussle between uh, Akanji and Robert Lewandowski, and Bayern fans would say that Akanji kind of shoved Lewandowski to the ground in the box. Neither were called for penalties. Neither cases had cards distributed. So what were your thoughts on those decisions? Well, it is controversial, and I think Video Review probably should have come into play on the handball decision against Boateng. Uh, you know, for me, I thought he'd raised his arm, and um, it looked like even if there wasn't any intention, he was raising his arm for a reason, and it was outstretched from his body somewhat. Um, but there is that complicated area of um, having the arm underneath the body when going to ground, and, and that's also what he was doing. So it's a touchy, touchy situation for officials. Very interesting to see that video review wasn't even in play. Um, and I'm surprised that the referee wasn't informed to go have a look at it and make his own decision. Um, the other one I thought was a little bit late for me. I, I would have given a penalty there. I, I actually had texted my dad straight after I'd seen that. And he, he disagreed with me. He said he thought it was 50-50 and he likes the old shoulder to shoulder. But for me, I thought, I thought Louis got there a little ahead and um, had an advantage. So for me, I would have probably have given that one a penalty as well. So I would have given both. So with RB Leipzig currently sitting third, they have a... Interesting game tomorrow against Hertha Berlin, and Hertha have been doing surprisingly well coming out of this break. They have a lot of momentum, which is funny to say that they might be competing against a Leipzig team that just came off of a 5-1 win over Mainz with a Timo Werner hat-trick. If RB Leipzig end up losing that game, is the title race done, or do you think it's already done? I think today's result from Bayern seals it. And um, I think everybody kind of knows it now. Um, I was 
Interested to see how Borussia Dortmund would line up. Surprised that Sancho wasn't in the lineup. I thought they would have just gone out all for it. And for some reason, Dortmund weren't quite 100%. They weren't quite at the races. Haaland's been off uh, for the last couple of games and not found his uh, score in touch. Um, and for me, that was the, the cup final. That was it right there. If Dortmund had of won that game, then it would have given other teams an opportunity. Had they drawn that game, it would have given maybe Leipzig, like you said, an opportunity to get back into it. Um, but I think now Bayern are uh, cruising and uh, the games are just running out now for everybody else who are trying to catch them. The quality shone through in the end. The undefeated run continues. It goes all the way back into um, December, which is a phenomenal form. And it's business as usual for Bayern. And I thought they were really excellent um, from probably October, November onwards. Just fantastic to watch. You don't think that there's any game on that schedule for Bayern where they might be able to slip up? Well, there's always games that they could slip up on. Um, this was the one I think everybody expected them to slip up on. Um, obviously, recently, Bayer Leverkusen have been performing very well, even though they got hammered today at home um, by Wolfsburg, which was another surprise. So, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I mean... Gladbach's always a team you could uh, come up against and have some trouble, but Bayern being at home, I don't see it. Um, but for me, I think they're in cruise control right now. And um, I don't see Bayern having any problems between now and the end of the season as far as uh, losing games go. And I think we might even see Bayern step it up a gear and win every single game between now and the end of the season. Well, one of my favorite parts about the Bundesliga is while the title almost always gets decided around this point, every year those spots two through four are always up for contention and always in the mix and as you mentioned there are you mentioned at least one of the two teams that are battling for that final spot there in Bayer Leverkusen but you also have to consider Borussia Mönchengladbach where today they somehow could not find a way to score a goal against a Werder Bremen side that has not performed well at all but with that draw Mönchengladbach who started the day today one point behind Bayer Leverkusen come up and are tied on points but Mönchengladbach are ahead on goal difference who do you think out of those two they're two very young sides they played a very good match against each other at the weekend which one of those two do you think is going to beat the other to that final UEFA Champions League spot. Well, I think, like you said earlier, uh, Leipzig are the one who are probably going to fight with Dortmund now for second and third place. Um, but then the battle is really on behind them. Gladbach really have let themselves down. I mean, they've been really inconsistent. Um, I find Leverkusen also a very inconsistent team, even though recently, up until today's performance, they had uh, shown better. Um, but I don't know. If I'm leaning towards one... I would say Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, but the way the games are playing out, and especially when I look at Gladbach, they're a team that rely on their home support, right? And you're playing in front of 50-plus thousand fans. It's always a 12th man when you go to Borussia Park. And without fans, without supporters at home, they've struggled. And again, today, like you mentioned, they struggled away to Werder Bremen, which is a team that's been leaking goals left, right, and center. So inconsistency is clearly there. Um, and of course, the home advantage is completely gone. I just did some calculations. I put it out on my social media. Up to this point today, we're still on Tuesday. There's been 22 games in the Bundesliga since it returned and only three home victories. Only three home wins from 22 games, which is 
It's really incredible. It's an unbelievable stat for me. So I don't I don't see Leverkusen beating Gladbach to that fourth spot, even though they'll give it a good go and they're a very, very good side. And I do like Peter Bosch. Um, I do obviously still enjoy watching Havertz play and, and watching Leverkusen perform. But I think Gladbach have got far too many weapons to really disappoint. I think they'll find their form between now and the end of the season once again. And they'll, they'll go on a nice run. So the battle for me is about Europa League spots as well. That one's going to be really tasty. Looking towards those Europa League spots, we had a game today that had a bit of an implication on that as Freiburg were up 3-1 to one on Eintracht Frankfurt. And they scored two goals in very quick succession, that Frankfurt side. And they came back and found a way to walk out of there with a draw. Uh, do you think that that's going to be enough for Frankfurt to stop their skid, which was possibly going to go all the way into the relegation zone? But do you think this result's going to be enough for them? Yeah, I don't see Eintracht Frankfurt having too much problems, I think, between now and the end of the season, although today's result really surprised me. Um, Freiburg, of course, are chasing that Europa League spot. They're, they're in the hunt, so they had a lot to play for and sort of threw it away, so I'm a little disappointed for them, but... Eintracht Frankfurt to find themselves in the position they're in right now at the bottom of the table has been, you know, terribly disappointing. So I, I think they they have a little bit of an advantage. Eintracht Frankfurt with a game in hand still to play, and um, I I think that they're they're just too good to go down. They're too good to be sucked into that relegation fight as well. I, I worry about more at the bottom of the table, the Dusseldorf, the Werder Bremen's getting sucked into it, and and possibly Mainz as well. Which one goes down automatically is is still up for for grabs. Um, but Werder Bremen have got a really tough run in. They've got some big games, um, even though they themselves also have that advantage with the one extra game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think um, Eintracht Frankfurt will be safe. I worry about Mainz more than anyone else that could drop down with uh, Dusseldorf, who will compete with Bremen, who goes automatically down with Paderborn. Looking at the slate of games that are set to play tomorrow, as I mentioned earlier, Erbe Leipzig are taking on Hertha, but we also have a slate of games which may have further implications on the relegation battle, as well as that uh, Europa League standing. We have Hoffenheim facing off against Köln. We have Fortuna Dusseldorf facing off against Schalke. Augsburg against Paderborn. And another battle between two teams that absolutely love to let attacking sides come at their goalkeepers with absolutely everything that they have Union Berlin against Mainz of those uh, matchups which one do you think is going to be the most interesting well I'm intrigued with the the Dusseldorf Schalke game because Schalke are not in good form recently Dusseldorf have got a lot to play for they're obviously trying to fight out of the relegation zone so I'm intrigued to see how that one goes down um, I do like the game you just mentioned there, Union Berlin and Mainz, because Mainz, um, I mean, that, that first game back against Cologne, somehow they managed a draw, and then they were just awful at the weekend. Um, I don't know which Mainz team will turn up, but Union Berlin could also get sucked into it a little bit if they're not careful. However, I think that one's going to be the one to watch. I think we could see goals galore in that game. Um, I'm not sure who's going to come out on top of it, um, but if I was to to put my money on one team, I'm going to go for Union Berlin to win that game and mine's to still be in trouble at the end of it. So with that, we are going to take a quick break from the portion where we review the games. And when we come back, we will talk more in an interview style. Uh, stay tuned for more with Ian Pauljoy. 
Welcome back. And now we get to our interview portion of our conversation with Ian Paul Joy. So the Bundesliga was the very first major soccer league to come back in Europe. Uh, Germany has done a very good job in terms of keeping people inside, containing the spread of coronavirus, and as a result, they've had a low number of cases, and they've been able to return. That's their reward for being able to stay socially distant and staying inside, staying home, avoiding contact with other people, and keeping uh, the death rate, as I had mentioned, down. Do you think that the Bundesliga made the right decision to come back when they did. I think they did do. And and as you mentioned, they've um they've taken everything into consideration before making the decision to come back. Um at first I was a little against it. I was more so thinking about the people, making sure that the right decisions were be made safety wise, not putting people at risk. Um but the Bundesliga and the DFL I've done a terrific job of putting a plan together that is uh, is working to perfection. So far, of course, um, the opening, what, 10 days before kickoff, there was, I think, 12 or 13 cases from players or officials who are, or uh, coaches, whoever tested positive, were immediately removed and then put into quarantine. So since then, the testing's been excellent. The players have done an excellent job of uh, sticking to the rules and regulations, Um outside of um, the Augsburg head coach who made that little slip-up. Um, but I think the Bundesliga overall knew that they had to do something financially to protect smaller teams, smaller clubs, or even some of the bigger clubs from financial mess. And um, I think at times there's that pressure from owners, from um, from clubs themselves, from players, to make sure that they're um, looking after every single club in Germany that it can continue the way we know it and I think that's what was at the top of the Bundesliga's mind when making this decision I do like the communication between the DFL and um, obviously what happened with all the governments and uh, through all the regions in Germany I was very very impressed with the communication to supporters and um, we all sort of knew where the Bundesliga was at, how close it was going to be returning and uh, why they were returning, but also what rules and regulations were in place before a ball was even kicked, and it impressed me immensely. I'm disappointed, of course, that there's no fans inside the stadiums. That's the one thing that disappoints me because as as a former player, I played for fans, and um, it was more than a paycheck to me playing in front of people. So... A lot of these uh, Bundesliga fans will be uh, Bundesliga players will be missing their fans right about now, as you can also uh, see with some of the results and not having any home field advantage. So, good decision all around, I think, and uh, I pl- I applaud the way they went about it. One of the most vocal critics from the decision was uh, Union Berlin center back Nevan Subotic, who said that he felt that the German government gave the Bundesliga and the DFL a little bit too quick of a go-ahead in order to get the game started up. Do you think that players should be allowed to make the decision of whether or not they should be able to play? And likewise, do you think that they shouldn't necessarily receive criticism from fans if they decide to not play? Because after all, we're talking about a worldwide epidemic that could potentially kill many people and has killed people that 
are of the age of players on the pitch, and if they choose to stay home, they're doing so out of protection for themselves, their families, as well as their teammates. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think players have been put in an awkward position, absolutely. I think they were sort of pushed into playing again, um, even though I'm sure there was a lot of discussion that took place between the league and the players. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still a job for these players. And if your job is telling you it's safe to return, we're putting everything into place for your safety, um, providing you stick to the rules and regulations, then it should be okay for you to return. I do understand the human aspect of it. I care immensely about supporters, about officials, about people who are working in and around the clubs during these games. Um, I, I worry, of course, and I did worry before um, the ball even started to roll. But I've been very, very impressed with the way that the DFL has put this into place. Um, clearly, you can see that they want to finish the season. I think it's the right decision. Um, I do think that the players need to have more of a voice. And I, when we're looking through the decision-making happening, it was always through the government and through the DFL chiefs. I didn't hear from any of the players during that time, except for maybe one or two clips during interviews. So I'm sure the players were told to not say much about it and what discussions were taking place. And I feel for players in that regard. I mean, I'm a player's guy. I like to look after my teammates. I like to look after the players who are playing the game. Um, and I think they were put into a difficult position. But I don't think that there's any player who's out there who's playing right now that doesn't want to play. I think they all want to play. And if there was a player in particular who was worried, I think Claudio Pizarro was a great example of that with his daughter. Um, and, and certain players who maybe have health issues within their family, making sure that they're sticking to the right rules and regulations so that they don't put family members or close ones at risk. Um, every protocol has to be in place and every rule has to be followed. And I'm sure they'll finish the season out without having any hiccups whatsoever. And if we were going to have any issues, I think it would have happened already. So the DFL was right. And I think the players are pretty happy that the ball is uh, is rolling again and, and we're seeing some action, even though there's been a few shocking results. <laughs> Looking outside of the Bundesliga, one of the things that I have found most interesting in terms of a league's reaction to the coronavirus is down in Mexico, in Liga MX. They've made the decision to ban promotion and relegation in the competition for a number of years because they believe that the effects of the coronavirus pandemic and the stoppage in play will have such a profound effect on clubs that it will affect them for many years down the line. Now, while I personally do believe that there will be a lot of problems for clubs down the line, uh, I like to look to Germany and think of the current situation with all three of the top parts of the German pyramid set to return. Do you think that promotion and relegation should be withheld? Do you think just relegation should be stopped and let some teams come up and the teams in the bottom of the table stay safe regardless because there was a stop in momentum or do you think that things should go on just as normal keeping in mind you're not in the in the office of the dfl and 
just you're you're only a sportscaster but i imagine that you'd have an opinion on something like this no i do i have a very strong opinion on it because i think it affects so many people and and when you go down the leagues i mean i made my name playing in the lower leagues in germany and um for me it was very important every single paycheck um but also it was very important promotion because it meant my paycheck multiplied so promotion and relegation means a great deal to a lot of people and even the top flight players, teams, whenever they get relegated, they're going to lose a ton of money. So I think that they're, you have to take everyone into consideration. Germany's doing a great job now. As you mentioned, the top three tiers all playing again is so important to sticking to the regulation of playoff relegation or automatic relegation or promotion. Um, so I'm okay with that. I think it's fine to promote and relegate as normal, providing the season can take place and can finish once it concludes everyone's played the same amount of games you've had your chance to win or lose and whoever finishes in those spots deserve to be either relegated or promoted but going on to what you were talking about as far as mexico or even where where i grew up in scotland they've cancelled the season and therefore it makes a very interesting decision from the federation what they do with the leagues in scotland they decided to relegate teams who finished in that position right there so if you, if you were one point away from safety and you still had nine games to go, like it happened in Scotland, it's really unfair to relegate a team like that. Um, but with Mexico, they've decided to what, do no relegations and, and sticking to the financial safety for a lot of teams. I, I can respect that. But the Scottish one, I can't, I can't respect whatsoever. You're not giving teams a chance to finish the season. You're not giving teams a chance to survive financially. Um, but I think um, each federation is thinking differently about this virus, about the pandemic, about how they're dealing with it within their own countries, around the regions, about putting players into to risk with as far as safety is concerned. But again, it goes back to your earlier question. Nobody's really thinking about the players here in this position you know and a lot of those players who are playing in mexico or in scotland or uh, certain leagues around where they have cancelled the seasons you know are they getting paid right now are they getting paid fully are they taking pay cuts are they going to have to take a pay cut if their team got relegated or uh, will they save money if they they stayed in because there's no relegation everything comes into play so my, my strong opinion is is that every single season should finish and if it takes six month, six extra months to finish it, so be it. What's the rush to finish the season? Take your time, give players an opportunity and teams an opportunity and countries an opportunity to deal with what we've just been hit and then get back to business as usual like it never happened. In other words, let the season finish out. Every single season should have finished out. Champions League should finish out. All of those competitions should be finishing out. Why on earth? They're playing an end to it right now. It, for me, it's just it's it's mind blown. I mean, just canceling a season straight away, or even the talk of of Premier League being cancelled, it's mind blown. Why play the season to the end? And if it takes a six month delay to do that, so be it. Returning to Germany, one of the things that I personally had a fear of at the beginning of the pause for this epidemic was that there were teams in the lower divisions that were not going to be able to survive this they wouldn't be able to pay their players they wouldn't be able to pay their staff you could potentially see such 
fairy tale stories, such as FC Saarbrücken getting to the stage of the Day of Bay Pokalas they have being wiped away. Uh, that's something that's really kind of sad. I personally haven't heard a lot about this, but I was wondering if you had heard of any support or financial measures from the DFB or the DFL uh, to help clubs in the lower divisions from being able to possibly shutter their doors. I haven't really looked into it too much as far as the lower leagues are concerned, um, but I would imagine that they're treated like any other business. And, and like you mentioned earlier on, in Germany, they're looking after their businesses. They're looking after their people very well. And it's not just about sticking to rules and regulations as far as catching this virus is concerned. They're looking after people financially. They're looking after businesses financially. And I know that there's going to be a lot of clubs that will lose money because of no supporters. And as you go down the leagues, uh, the supporters in attendance and, and obviously the money they earn from that is, is great. So the fact that they're losing out there is is almost impossible to replace. But I think that the German government are doing a pretty good job. The DFL are doing a pretty good job of looking after those clubs. And I haven't really seen or read too many articles about teams complaining too much about the DFL's decision to play um, or, or not support financially the smaller clubs. It doesn't mean to say that in a year or two, those clubs won't feel it because they might. And this might take a while before teams or players or whoever it may be feel the financial issues that have just taken place um, or financial burden. Um, but I think that you will find that a lot of the big clubs in Germany and the DFL in particular will be there to help all of those clubs that need it financially. But again, it's also a wake-up call. You know, a lot of these clubs have been bad financially run. And it's a wake-up call to get your shit together, really, and start to organize financially um, a bit more professionally and um, also just in case because anything like this could happen again. So... Clubs will be found out financially if they're not looking after their books and um, maybe it's a bit of a wake-up call for many teams and I think one of the teams in particular in the top flight, which was Schalke, was mentioned about financial implications from this disaster. Um, they're one of the teams that definitely need to get things in order and start to look after their club financially a lot better than they have been doing. Moving from the start of the season toward how it's being presented. My numerous interviews with other people have often been journalists for a couple of reasons, because number one, I myself am a journalism major and I find it incredibly fascinating, and another reason is because it's how we see it. I personally have never traveled outside of the Western Hemisphere. It's something that I hope to one day amend, but for those that have never been overseas to a game in Europe, we only see the games through the lenses of uh, television. So you've traveled to many a game over your years covering the Bundesliga with Fox and covering many different competitions with Fox. So a lot of this is going to start to look towards them as they move out and they phase out their coverage of the league. So just to start off, uh, did you enjoy working with Fox and what are some of your best memories working with them? Yes, I really enjoyed my time at Fox. You know, 
five years working with the network have been great memories. Um, I was very, very shocked at first when Fox came in for me um, when they got the Bundesliga, but delighted that I was going to get an opportunity to go to such a big network so early in my career. I'd only been in television for three years. So for me to go to a network like Fox or to get that opportunity was was tremendous and something I'm very grateful for. Um, I initially went to Fox only to cover the Bundesliga and, and I was actually initially only going to be a host at Fox um, on their Bundesliga coverage. But then once I got there, they were really impressed with, you know, obviously what I knew about the league and what I knew about the game, but also the fact that my commentary was uh, was also very good as a color analyst. So they, they, start, they started putting me into different positions and then um, I started to work on other rights. So I would work on Champions League and Europa League and FA Cup and then, of course, the World Cup. Um, these were all things that I never thought I would get a chance to work on so early on in my career and, and so proud that I, I did get that chance and I worked really hard for it. You know, I went through a lot in my first three years in television as far as not earning a lot of money and working way too many hours. And I think that's the old cliche, you, you know, you got to put in the hard work, right, before you start to get where you probably deserve to be. And I did that for three years. I kept my mouth shut and I gained a lot of tremendous experience. And I think most people who are working in media now, because there's so much opportunity out there, some people get put into position before they're ready for it. Television and media is not for everyone, and they get found out very quickly. If they're not good enough, if they don't do the research, they don't work hard enough, or they don't have good character, you'll get found out in, um, in media very, very quickly. And it doesn't matter if you're a broadcaster, if you're a, a writer, or you work in radio, whatever it may be. Um, this will find you out very quickly and it will tell you whether you're good or not, if you're comfortable or not, incredibly quickly. And I've worked with some people who just can't hack it and other people who are just naturals. And for me, it was always my dream to do something like this. And whenever that red light goes on and the camera is, is rolling, I just feel like I fall into place there. And, and Fox was the perfect step for me in my career. And I'm so proud of what I did with the Bundesliga and it opened up so many doors for me. I worked on the world feed now with the DFL out of Cologne. Um, I've obviously traveled, as you mentioned, to so many different stadiums and uh, got to work pitch side. Um, I'm a fan of, uh, of football first and foremost. I love the game. That's what I live for. Um, but I'm also a very passionate broadcaster and I love entertainment. So it was just a perfect fit for me. And speaking of people that can hack it, what is it like working with Keith Costigan? Oh, Keith's great. Keith was great. Um, I don't think our our job is yet done. I think we'll still get an opportunity to work together somewhere along the lines. Um, but he is someone who has worked incredibly hard to master his craft. I mean, Keith was at first an analyst and would do sort of the color analyst role. Um, and then he decided to take the jump into play-by-play, -play, which is very, very difficult to do. Um, it's not a role I think I could ever do. It's for a specific person, and it's a specific style, and he has mastered it, and he's done an excellent job. He's really become one of the biggest Bundesliga voices out there. Um, outside of that, he's just a great person. He's a great human being. Um, fun person to be around. 
I love his goal calls when he gets excited during games. He's just an excellent person, and um, I'm really proud of the job he's done for the Bundesliga. And you must remember, you know, I care more about the Bundesliga than anything else at this moment in time when I work in media. So for me, it's very important. Whoever comes into that Bundesliga studio or sits with me next to me in a booth, they've got to know what they're talking about. They've got to be on their A-game. If they're not, I'm not frightened to call them out. And credit to, to almost all of the people at Fox. They they came ready to go and have really started to fall in love with the league. And it's just unfortunate that the time has run its its course. Do you like the way that they've decided to go about covering the league now? We see networks in Germany that are still holding studio shows. We see networks in England that are hosting studio shows and pregame coverage. Fox has decided to not go down that road and they've decided to only go with the live feeds coming from germany what what are your thoughts on that decision no i don't like it why would i ever like that to just put a world feed on is um is not good it's it's really not good and um very unfortunate that this happened because fox had a plan in place for us to finish off the Bundesliga in style. And you would have seen for the first time in five years, me, myself and Keith Kosigan over in Germany calling a game. We had never done that before, but that was the plan from Fox. I was very surprised that they had a budget for something like that, especially when they were ro- losing the rights. But they put they put a, a great deal of budget behind so that they wanted to finish off the Bundesliga in style. This pandemic has put an end to that. And obviously, everyone's been hit financially, including the big networks with advertisers pulling their money out left, right and center. And for whatever reason, Fox decided that this wasn't where they were going to use their money. And uh, I'm okay with that. I respect it because it is a corporation. It's a business that's got to look after number one, which is the big picture for them, especially when they're losing the rights. But as a fan... And as someone who's a broadcaster, who's worked at the network for so long, I'm terribly disappointed with the way it finished. And and fans, in my opinion, that's what I care about. The viewers, they deserve to see us at least do something. Um, but it was the decision that Fox took to not put any money into it. And, um, and that's okay with me. I respect that in the end of the day. Um, and maybe because they've done so much for me personally, Fox, and uh, given me a platform to improve as a as a broadcaster myself, I owe Fox a great deal. And um, I was uh, obviously very disappointed with the way it finished. I would have liked it to have been different. You know, the plan in place, like I mentioned, was to go over to Germany, call games from there, finish the season off in style, say goodbye. And also for me personally to thank Fox uh, before I said goodbye. Thank Fox for what they've done for the Bundesliga. You know, they've done a great job over the years. And as much as people are disappointed or have been disappointed with maybe the level or the standard of production um, that uh, started and where it ended up, there was a lot of effort and a lot of time from some great people put into the the Bundesliga product. And, and I'll forever be grateful for Fox for doing that. So disappointed with the way it finished, but I can understand why they did it. Could you shed some light on Fox's decisions to move away from broadcasting international 
soccer leagues towards solely going towards the United States. I personally don't understand it because I don't know exactly if the United States is at the level that it needs to be in order for a network to choose to only carry um, soccer from one specific country especially if it's not as fully developed as, say, the Bundesliga or La Liga or the Premier League. So could you shed some insight into that? Well, I don't think they wanted to move away from from European soccer in particular. I think they wanted to stay in soccer, uh, especially in Europe, but they weren't prepared to go to the length that other networks were prepared to go, and that all comes down to finances. Um, the big one that really hurt Fox, I think, was the Champions League. Losing the Champions League um, was one that they regret. Um, but of course, it is a big number that was paid for that. And was Fox willing to go to that number? No. And I think that was the start of where they were going to take soccer on the network. Um, I read the script as soon as they lost the Champions League, what was going to happen with um, with the Bundesliga. And I knew the other networks were starting to become big players. And they have to spend a lot of money now to get these television rights. Maybe it's different after this pandemic. I'm not so sure how it's going to play out. But up until now, the numbers just keep going up and up and up and up. And it's become very, very expensive to buy rights to the leagues and big competitions. So, you know, Fox losing out on the Champions League maybe made the decision easy for them to step away from the FA Cup, the Bundesliga, and of course, um, whatever rights they had in European competition, including the Europa League as well. So it's just the way it goes, and that's television. Um, you have to understand that you can't rest for one minute, one day, one month, like no matter what it is, you can't rest at all in this industry because it's such a changing industry. Um, every year's different, and there's always news and rumors, and the rights are going to change from one place to another um, even if there's a fantastic product with a one network on whatever sport it may be money comes into play and, and these these big um, federations or leagues or whatever it may be are looking for one top dollar and also a great product what comes first it's up to the leagues to determine that um, but I'm okay with it changing hands now, the Bundesliga in particular. Um, Fox did a great job. I was obviously a little disappointed that we didn't get an opportunity to go over and do more in Germany over the time. But still, they did an excellent job with the Bundesliga and they took it quite far. And I think they raised it to another level. And now it's okay for somebody else to have that chance to, to try and take it even further. And now we'll see what ESPN's all about. I personally love the fact that there was somebody out there that was willing to pick it up from Goal TV and let the world of German soccer be more popular and something that we see more than just from whenever Bayern and Dortmund are playing in the Champions League. Um, the last thing I want to touch on in terms of Fox's coverage, and I'll rest, I'll rest that subject after that. Do you think that Fox did enough in order to show that they were making the Bundesliga a priority among their coverage and among their um, among their viewership because I've I've heard some comments at least from people that 
don't support necessarily the quote-unquote top two teams in Germany, that they found it very hard that important matches that didn't have um, bigger teams in it, like lower-level rivalries like uh, Hamburg versus Werder Bremen wouldn't get... Um, wouldn't get airtime on the main network and a game like Bayern versus Dusseldorf would. Um, do you think that, do you think that they did enough? And if not, or maybe if you did, but you think that they still could have done different things, what did you, what would you have done? I guess if it was your network, well, if it was my network, it would be completely different, but it's not. Um, <laughs> listen, at the end of the day, it's all about viewings. It's all about the ratings. If the Bundesliga was getting half a million views every single game, we wouldn't be having this discussion because the product would have the investment. The product would probably still be at Fox. It maybe would be um, a lot more expensive than it is now um, with this deal going over to ESPN. But Fox is about a company about ratings. They they want to see the best product, of course, on their air. They want to invest in the best product. If you look at the Super Bowl and the World Cup, women's and men's, huge viewing numbers, and the amount of money that goes into that from Fox is incredible. Yes, they make a lot of money. But is the Bundesliga making a lot of money for a network like Fox? Is Fox getting enough viewership numbers to be able to entice advertisers in? That's a game that I just don't know about. You know, I can't really comment on it because all I see is the numbers, how many people are watching. And and yes, Fox took it to another level. It was not getting as many viewers. And then it took it to another level where now you're starting to see 100,000, maybe sometimes 200,000 viewers. But it was no way consistent enough to be getting half a million, 600,000 viewers unless we were on Big Fox and it was a big game where, yeah, we'd, we'd get a little bit lucky. And we did have one or two games, I think, where we played off of other sports and we managed to get um, into the high 100,000s and like 900,000 or a million. But at the end of the day, it's like any other job. If... Your product is good, people will watch. And the Bundesliga is an excellent product. And we got more eyeballs on the Bundesliga than ever there has been before in this country. And that was a good step for the Bundesliga. But now it's about trying to take it to the next level. How do you get there when you're competing with the English Premier League, when you're competing with the Spanish and the French League and the Italian League? There's a lot of competition out there. There's more live soccer games on television now than any other league. Look what's happening right now. There's no other league taking place. Everyone's watching the Bundesliga. The numbers are great. If the numbers were like that all the time at Fox, there's no doubt in my mind Fox would have invested more money into it. The product would have been even better than it was. But that wasn't the case. They go by ratios. Um, What are they making from this will determine how much money is invested into it. And at the end of the day, like I told you before, Fox took Bundesliga to a new level. Fox did invest in the Bundesliga. There was a pre-game show. There was a halftime show. And even though it was small, there was still a post-game show. They invested and people were getting paid. It cost the the network a lot of money. Um, And I'm not so sure how much money they actually made from having the Bundesliga. But overall, on a personal front, I still think Fox could have done more. 
Yes. I mean, it's my league. I'm a broadcaster. I want to work on the best product. And the Bundesliga to me is like the best product out there. But not everybody at Fox thinks like me. Not everybody at Fox felt like I did. Um, and again, it goes back to numbers, ratios, viewing numbers, clicks. You know, that all counts. And at the end of the day, you cannot begrudge Fox for making the decision not to proceed with the Bundesliga. Even though they still wanted to keep it, they didn't bid higher. Um, it is what it is. And um, the five years for the Bundesliga at Fox have been tremendous. And um, again, I'm very proud of what Fox did do for the Bundesliga. And the role I played in that was, was great as well. But I'm still disappointed with the way it finished. Yeah. So we're going to move on from that. As I mentioned at the beginning, you do more than just the Bundesliga. You also do MLS. You do work with New York City FC. What is the current state of the MLS in terms of returning? Do they have a set plan? Are they still just going to keep everything locked down? Have they started training up again? For those of us that don't follow the league, catch us up. Yeah, I mean, there's been uh, training starting to happen now for, for almost every team in Major League Soccer. Um, the latest team has been New York City FC. They've just started individual training this week. Um, and it has been very interesting to, to follow. Um, Major League Soccer is normally renowned for being one of the leagues that likes to be first. They like to be the first to implement VAR. They like to be the first with uh, crazy penalty kicks. They like to be the first, 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 first. But this time they took their time. And um, I have got tremendous amount of respect for... Uh, the league for doing so because they cared about players they cared about um, their fans they cared about their ownerships they've taken their time to make decisions and um, I've got a tremendous amount of time and respect for that but it's going to be a while before we start to see MLS back in action again the players are back in training yes but I don't think until at least the earliest July maybe mid-July will we see friendly games or some sort of tournament which has been rumored um and of course there was a leaked memo last week from major league soccer which has been uh, criticized heavily i don't believe anything until i see it from mls because they do a pretty good job of informing everybody about what's going on and um i don't think they're too far away from an announcement to to get players back playing again um and for those who are not following along it looks like we're going to see some sort of um, training camp in Florida, which has been rumored, where all the teams will go down to one location, be kept in quarantine, will train together, eat together. They'll have their own place to rest. They'll have their own rooms, whatever it may be. They'll be kept away from their families, and they'll play a tournament down there as well so that there will be action on the networks from MLS. And then I would imagine regular season will continue around about September, if we're lucky. And do you think that's going to be a shortened season or do you think the season is going to carry over into say February before the next MLS season should crossed fingers at least be starting up again in March? No, I think they've got to shorten the season. They're going to have to rip up what was previously planned. The East versus West will probably be ripped up as well and you'll probably just see teams in the East competing against other teams in the East. Teams in the West will play against the West team so there's not as much travel um, and then not as much expense. Um, I would imagine that with no fans in attendance it will be hurting a lot of Major League Soccer owners right about now. So they're desperate for that television money probably to come into play. Um, but yeah, 
it's going to be a lot different. I would imagine MLS Cup will be in December and it will be one team from the East, one team from the West, and those sides will probably have not played against each other. I hadn't written this down, but I just think this is uh, this is something I'd ask anybody that works in MLS. What are your thoughts on Pro-Rel for the MLS? Do you think it's something that should happen? Do you think it's something that could logically happen? Or do you think we're just never going to see it? Well, I always sort of try to sit on the fence when it comes to promotion relegation because it is Major League Soccer. It is something completely different. There are still a very young league. Um, and over time, inevitably, with so many teams coming into the league, they're going to have to find some sort of structure where you've got a promotion and a relegation. Don Garber's made it clear it will not happen in his lifetime as long as he is in charge, and I'm okay with that. It will take some time, but there's no doubt in my mind that promotion relegation will benefit Major League Soccer it will benefit supporters, it will benefit viewing numbers, it will benefit owners, it will benefit the game overall. But to do that, you have to have enough teams, you have to have the right idea in place, and that takes time. You know, It's such a young league right now that they've still got plenty of time before they need to make that decision. And how do you convince these billionaire owners that they're going to have to start in Division 2? It's not going to be easy. But I think it's inevitable at some point it will come into play. All right, the last thing that I wanted to touch on. If anybody ever, if anybody went over to your uh, profile on Twitter, they would see a pinned message at the top saying that, obviously with the Bundesliga leaving Fox, that you are also leaving Fox. Uh, it did not specify where you would be going. I'm curious if you are able to reveal on this podcast where you will be heading breaking news <laughs> um no i can't because i haven't signed a contract with anyone yet um i am contracted to the yes network in uh, new york um i still have a contract with fox that runs out in august um but i'm pretty much a free agent to move to wherever i want um, I've made a decision myself to take my time on this decision, even up until this pandemic, where I had set many meetings in place and was really excited about a lot of those meetings. However, things change very quickly. And because of what's going on right now, I can only imagine some of these major networks are hurting desperately and budgets will change. And anybody who's sort of a freelancer like I am, will um, we'll have to be very, very patient indeed before getting back to business as usual. Um, you know, I, I like to take my time. Uh, uh, throughout my career, I've always jumped into decisions very quickly. When it became a new team was interested, I wanted to take that offer quickly because it was there and um, it was something that was sure. Whereas this time, uh, I have no agent. I do all the work myself. I've spoken to multiple people, different networks, and I've got some nice things that are uh, are coming up. Um, but I will not reveal until anything is signed because I don't think it's right for the networks. It's also not right for me to reveal anything of who I'm speaking to because um, I'm also tremendously respectful to the networks and um, the opportunity that is there. 
Um, I think it's very important for people to understand that whoever has followed me um, through my time at Fox, that I still love the Bundesliga greatly. And it's still my plan, no matter what decision I make, it's still my plan to continue to help the Bundesliga grow in the USA, in North America, whether it be with a network in the US or whether it be through the world feed in Germany. There's just so many opportunities, as you will also realize as you go through your own career. Sometimes it's better to just take your time and um, enjoy the ride. Because when you jump into a network like you're seeing now, so many people are losing their jobs and pay cuts and all this sort of stuff. I make a lot more money being a freelancer and I can make my own decisions. I'm my own boss. I like to work for myself. I say whatever I want, when I want. And for all those big networks, and this is another thing I give credit to Fox for, they let me be myself on that network. And uh, wherever I go, I, uh, I'll be sure that it's the next positive step in my career because it's, it's a long career that's only just getting started. Well, I wish you the absolute best of luck wherever you go. I look forward to seeing what you'll be doing in terms of growing the Bundesliga in the United States and, of course, popularizing New York City FC to a wide-ranging audience. You can follow Ian on Twitter at JoyPaulIan, just his name backwards. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, of course, at Jefferson Fenner. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to be able to do this again. I wish you and your family health and the best of luck. Same goes for all the followers. Be sure to stay in touch with us on Twitter and through the blog, BavarianFootballWorks.com, and you'll be able to follow all the latest and greatest German and Bayern soccer, soccer content out there. And until next time, when we'll probably be releasing an episode of Der Ausblick before the game against Fortuna Dusseldorf, we will see you later. Best of uh, Best wishes. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay home. Auf Wiedersehen.